All right, good morning. Welcome to Carolina Family Church. If you weren't in here, we welcomed you before, but glad that you're here today. And uh, first things first, we just need to clear the air on this. I see a lot of Panthers gear around the room. I'm so sorry. I'm glad that you came to church today. It's a place where you can mourn and grieve. Uh, and uh, I'm with you, okay? Because the Bills lost too. So it was, it was, a, and I even see a Hornets hat, and they lost last night too. So we're just a room full of losers. That's all there is to it. <laughs> but hey, if you're, except for Jeremy, who's wearing his Eagles jersey at the soundboard. Yeah. So he, the one win, we're holding out hope. But other than that, we're just a bunch of losers. So if you're going to be a loser, you might as well be a loser with some other people. So it's good to be with you this week. Glad you're here. I'm not speaking of losers, but. Uh, can we thank the band for leading us today in worship? Love all of them. And you can see them having fun up here, which is great. And uh, it's an awesome opportunity to be able to come together and worship. And uh, I tell you, this is, this is nice. We, we were forced to move into the gym last week because the uh, heat was not working in the cafeteria. And rather than bear another cold weekend of worship, we decided to move over here into the gym. And, and everybody loved it so much that we were just like, let's do it again. So um, talk to everybody. And sure enough, we're in here again. We're making some tweaks and improvements and trying to uh, trying to, to um, like, I pointed up because we're shooting light at the ceiling to try and give you a little house light. So, like, if you bring a Bible, you could read that today, uh, which you couldn't last week because it was so dark in here. But um, trying to help, and this is really cool. And so, I think uh, we're going to talk to the school about being in here permanently. I think this is a good move for us. So, um, you excited about that? A few of you are excited about that? I'm good. I just like looking back and seeing the bleachers back there. You guys are awesome. I heard last week Wes was up there and the bleachers kind of all sprawled out. Like, <laughs> I get used to this. This is all right. So, uh, it's pretty cool. I've always, I've always had this desire in church to have uh, stadium seating like that because every church I've ever been in that had seating like that in the back, when you were in the back of the church, you felt like you were in the front of the church. You still felt like you were close to everything that was going on. And I feel like as a church, we need to just be close. And I think that's, that's a really cool thing. So anyway, um, good things in store. Last week, we also started a series called Church on Purpose, where we uh, talked about our mission as a church and rolled out to you a new mission statement, which is uh, know God, find hope, live free, do good. Right, Not die hard. We had to clear that up. Live free, die hard. That seems to go together. Not for us, though. Um, that's, that's a different sermon, I think. But uh, know God, find hope, live free, and do good. And so if you missed last week, I really want to encourage you to go listen to last week's message. You can listen on our website or on iTunes. We have both video and audio available for you there. Um, because last week really sets the framework for the why and the purpose behind the, the new mission that we have. And what we're going to do over the next four weeks is we're going to take each one of those statements, each one of those things, and talk about it more in depth. What does it mean to know God? What does it mean to find hope? What does it mean to live free? And what does it mean to do good? So today we're going to start that off by talking about how to know God. Why is knowing God important? Now, that whole mission statement comes out of Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, and I explained last week why it comes out of Ephesians 1 and 2. But this first part, know God, comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. That's the only scripture we're going to be in today. We're just going to dive right into this one passage and um, dig into it, tear it apart, and understand what it means. So let's just start by reading it together. Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, verse, we're going to start with verse 15. Actually, let me turn here. If you have a print Bible with you, which I strongly encourage you to do, 
Um, I know you can have it on your phone. That's another great way to read, too. In fact, that's how I read on a daily basis. But uh, there's something about print, too. When you bring it to to church and you can write in it, and then you always have that note right there next to it. So some of you do that. I want to encourage you to. Um, So let's take a look. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. It says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. I just want to point out that what Paul's about to launch into, Paul is writing a letter to his friends in Ephesus, a city in what is now Turkey, and he's writing a letter to them. And the first thing he starts off by saying here is, the reason I'm writing this to you, the reason that I, I pray for you, which he's about to say, the reason that I want to give you these instructions is because I've heard that you love God and you love people. I've heard that you love Christ and you love people. And what did Jesus say was the greatest commandment? He said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love, second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So those are the two greatest things that we can do in life. That's what they were doing here. And he writes this letter to them to help them understand how to do it more, how to do it better, how to, how to really lean in and deal with some of the issues that were coming in. But they were hitting the nail on the head. He just needed to help them along the way. And like I said last week, Ephesus, very similar to um, American values and culture and all of that. And so I think we can learn the same. And so he would say to them, um, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. Um, And I would say, I've heard of your love uh, toward Jesus and the faith in all the saints. And so his prayer for the church is is equal to my prayer for this church. All right, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, and here's the key, pay, I'm going to give you some words to pay attention to, so you might highlight them in your, in your app or underline them in your Bible or whatever. We're coming back to them. I do not see that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom, pay attention to that, spirit of wisdom, and of revelation, pay attention to that word, revelation, In the knowledge of him. Pay attention to that word knowledge. So wisdom and revelation, knowledge. We need to look at those words. And as we do, I just want to ask you this question. We're talking about how to know God. Let's see if I can get that to stay open. Um, Let me me just start with this question if if we can. Do you know God? Just answer that for you. Do you know God? Some of you might say, yes, yes, I know him. I've, I've known him for years, and I know him really, really well. Some of you might say, I don't really know. I think maybe I know him, but maybe I don't. I'm a little confused. But second question, my follow-up on that would be, uh, do you want to know God? Because some of you might say, no, I have no interest in that. And I'm, I'm glad that you're here, by the way. You're in the right place. And I would, I would pray that as we talk and as you experience more with our church and with the people of our church and all that we're doing in our ministries, that, you, you would, that would build in you a curiosity. That's step number one. But if you say, yes, I want to know God, well, we're all, if we say, yes, I want to know God, that, that's a never-ending, lifelong journey. I want you to understand that. Because don't, don't get frustrated because you don't know him as well as you think you should because there's time <laughs> to get to know him more. And so what I want want you to to ask yourself is, do I know God and do I want to know God? Now, I happen to believe that the first step that you really have to get over is believing that God exists, right? We we don't want to believe God exists naturally because if we believe God exists, that means we're not him. And that humbles us and we don't like that and we want to be in control and we want to decide everything that's happening. So we don't like to to not be God or think we're God. But we forget to the point where we say, I believe that God exists, 
then we have all kinds of questions that come up. Like, okay, if God exists, does he, does he care about us or not? Does he care about us or did he just, did he just create us and then leave us? Did, uh, if, if God does exist, is he loving or is he vengeful? If God exists, does he um, believe in the same kind of justice that I believe in? If God exists, is he good or is he bad? If, if God exists, is he, is he interested in being a part of, what, of my life or is he not? With all these questions that, that we want to know about God. And the thing is that, that people all around us uh, come to their own conclusions about who God is without fully investigating who he is. And so we get misconceptions about who God is. Some people think that God is, um, some people think God's Santa Claus. You know, like a big fat guy somewhere with, a, with an epic white beard <laughs> who's, just, who's just sitting and he's making naughty and nice lists. You know, he's making his list and he's checking it twice. And he's going to find out who's naughty and nice. And he brings good things to the people that are nice. And he brings cold to the people who are naughty. Some people think that's what God is. Well, that's not who God is. Some people think that uh, some people think that God is a communist dictator, that he's just created this little society, that he's it's all about his ego, and so he's created this little society and he set all these roles, and all he's doing is just trying to oppress and suppress people so that he can be powerful, and he forces everybody into this mold, and if you step out of line, you're punished severely, you have to follow all the rules and you're in major trouble, and he's just sitting there with his finger on the button waiting to push it. All right, we just got to scare about that, didn't we? On Friday in Hawaii, you know, the communist dictator mentality of God. Some people think that God is an absentee father who created the, all of this and then just left it. Is that who God is? Well, that's not the God that I know. And I believe that as we get to know God, real God, the real God, that we discover that he's many things more and different than those things. Our journey is to know God more and more and more. So how do we do that? The, what I want to do is, is we're going to walk through this verse 17 specifically. And those words I told you um, to highlight, I want to look at the actual original word that was written. Because the Bible is not written in English, I, I assume you know that, but it was, it was written in Greek in the New Testament, um, not in English. And anytime that you translate uh, a word from one language into another, when you always lose something. So I want to talk about the Greek words here, but I'm not doing it so that I'm smart, because I'm not. And you can do the same research that I did and figure all this stuff out too. But I want to give you the Greek words because as we see them, I think we're going to get, there's like a flavor to the word that doesn't exist in English. And so um, let's talk about the, we're going to actually start at the end of this, that we're looking for the knowledge of God, that he would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God. That original word is the word epignosis or uh, epignosis, depending on how you pronounce that. But it's based on the word uh, gnosis or um, uh, gnosko, which is, means knowledge, okay? It means knowledge. So when it it's translated well into English, but there's a, there's a flavor, like I said, around this word that we don't get when we say the word knowledge in English. Because uh, the word epignosis means, uh, means clarity, it means accuracy or intellectual acuity, so there's a really accurate knowledge, but it also carries with it the idea of acknowledgement or recognition. 
So it means to know something or someone so well that you recognize them and can separate them from a fake. And to give you a kind of a word picture of, of, of this, just to, to, to give you what it might look like in real life, um, this epigenosis, this idea is like if I'm walking down the street and from across the street I see someone and from a distance I know them so well I instantly know that it's them and I say hello to them. I can recognize them from a fake. Um, so I'll give you an example. The better you know someone, the better you're able to do this. It's this kind of knowledge. So if I was, have you ever been in a restaurant and you thought you saw someone famous? Have you ever done that? So you're in a restaurant, you're like, oh, I think, um, I think, I think that's Will Ferrell over there. I'm pretty sure, I can't, I think it's hard to tell, you know, but you can't really tell. And it's not, by the way. 90% of the time, it's not. But, but you think that maybe it's them. And the reason that you don't know whether it's them or not is because you never really spend any time with them. You, you don't know Will Ferrell that well. You, you've, you've seen him on screen and you've seen him in magazines and all this kind of stuff. But to actually sit across a table from him, you haven't spent enough time to know that it's him. Whereas if I was sitting across the restaurant and I saw my wife sitting over there, First of all, I would think, why is she eating here without me? And then, <laughs> but then I would realize, I know, I would know her instantly. There would be no question in my mind. It's just because I had spent so much time with her. I have such an accurate understanding of what she looks like. And sometimes you can recognize someone's voice without even seeing them. You know, I know what she looks like. I know what she sounds like. I know her mannerisms. I know, I know her facial expressions. And so I've, I've looked longingly into her eyes so many times that I know them from anyone else's. And so... So I know her so well that I recognize her instantly, and I can also separate her from a fake. That's what, when he says, I pray that you have a spirit of wisdom and, and revelation in the knowledge of him, that's the kind of knowledge he's talking about. To know so personally, so well, that you can recognize when it's him and when it's a fake. And I think one of the things we struggle with the most in our culture with so many different competing ideas about who God is and what he is and how he works and all of this is our ability to separate the real thing from a fake. So how do we know God so well that we can do that? Well, I'm gonna, we're going to go to the scripture and it's going to explain, but I actually want to demonstrate this for you um, if, if you don't mind. And so I'm going to ask... Um, I'm trying to pick somebody. I'm going to ask Bailey to come up here, okay? <laughs> Bailey's up here singing, so I know she won't be totally freaked out by coming on stage, which is my concern with some of you. So, Bailey, come up here for a second. All right, she didn't know we were going to do this, obviously, okay? Come on up. You're on stage for singing. You must be, you're, you're fine, right? I'm talking on stage. Okay, well, you just talk to me, okay? You just have to talk to me. You don't have to talk to them. Don't even look at them. They're not here. Okay, so, so we're going we're gonna to get to know Bailey a little bit, and, and we're going to see what we're about to read in the Scripture play out and what we're about to do. All right, so Bailey, what's your, what is your name? Let's start with that. Bailey. Bailey. Irante. Irante. Okay, Bailey Irante. Bailey Marie Irante, correct? Middle, middle name. <laughs> Facebook, thank you. Uh, <laughs> so, all right, okay, so, um, and where do you live? Not an address, you don't need an address. Salisbury. Salisbury. Okay, you live in Salisbury, and... Um, and let's see, so, and I know you're a part of a church. What church are you a part of? Carolina Family, Carolina Family Church. That's funny. That's where we are right now. Um, that's fantastic. And, um, and so, uh, let's see. So, I, I know you, you drive, right? Okay, what kind of car do you drive? 
You don't have a car, but you drive your mom's car, right? So what kind of car does your mom have? A charger. Charger, Dodge Charger. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. Okay, cool. Um, so uh, what color is your hair? Uh, brown and blonde. Brown and blonde. That's awesome how that happened. All right. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. So now uh, do this for me. Do this for me. Tell me something about you that I don't know about you. Okay, so you have a lot of water bottles in your room. Do you drink the water or are they all full? Half and half. Half and half. <laughs> okay, all right, cool. All right, tell us tell me one more thing. Tell me what tell me what you think is your greatest strength. This is like a job interview, I know, but like I want to ask you your weakness. What's your greatest strength? You can if you want. Um, totally up to you. Greatest weakness is my awkwardness. Greatest, <laughs> which is great. We're doing this yeah, right now then. <laughs> so she said her greatest weakness was her awkwardness. But okay. Well, thank you for coming up here. Do we, do we know Bailey a little bit better now? All right. Thank you. You can have a seat. Sorry for doing that to you. I apologize. If you look uh, on in the, in the entryway as you're coming in, you'll notice we have these big signs. Those are our core values. One of them is graciousness. So... Just be gracious with me for doing that to you. <laughs> Just <laughs> forgive, forgive quickly. Um, so, so what I want you to notice is in our interaction, the way that we get to know God is very, very similar to the way we get to know anybody else. So what, is, what does Paul say? He says, may I, may, that God may give you the spirit of wisdom and spirit of revelation in the knowledge of him that knowledge requires both wisdom and revelation. So if you want a little equation, you could write down wisdom plus revelation equals knowledge. What I mean by that is that when Bailey came up on stage, I was able to ask her some direct questions and study. There were some things I already knew about her, in fact. So asking her what color her hair was. I already knew what color your hair was. I was looking at it. Um, asking her what her name was. Again, I already knew that. Asking her where I live. I already knew that. There were a couple things I, I asked that I, I may not have known, right? So there's a study aspect, a research aspect to getting to know people. But then there's a revelation aspect to getting to know people. There were some things that I don't know about Bailey. And I will never know them about her unless she willingly tells me about them, like, or her mom willingly tells me about them, like the water <laughs> bottles, like the water bottles in the room, right? So it requires both. And those words, let's talk about those words for a second, and then we'll, we'll, we'll discuss each one individually. But the first one is the word wisdom, and in Greek it's the word Sophia, which that's a common name that we have, but Sophia means wisdom in Greek. Wisdom is... Um, is intelligence. It's a scientific understanding. It is, uh, it is acuteness or skill in something. It's very rational. And so when he says, I pray that God will give you a spirit of Sophia, he's saying, I'm praying that God will give you a spirit of intellectual understanding, rational thought, and knowledge in God. And that's where we research and we learn, which we'll talk more about in a minute. And then he says, I pray that God will give you a spirit of not only Sophia, but a spirit of apocalypses. You familiar with does that? Does that word sound familiar? Apocalypses. 
Um, and it's translated well, I believe, into the word revelation into English. But when we think of that word, we think about the end of the world, right? We think about, we hear apocalypses and we think, you know, the nuclear apocalypse or whatever. That's not what he's talking about. The word in Greek, we've hijacked that word in English. In Greek, the word apocalypses means to lay bare or to reveal or to uncover. When he says, I pray that God would give you a spirit of revelation, what he's saying is, I pray that God would reveal himself to you. Because just like with Bailey, there are some things that I can learn by studying and, and asking questions and learning from other people. But there are, some peop- there are some things about Bailey that she has to reveal to me. There are some things about God that we can study and we can research and we can learn. And then there are some things about God that he has to reveal to us at the right time. And we need both in order to know him well. And we need both. If we're missing either one of them, then, then our faith gets messed up. If we try to know God only through intellectual understanding, we're going to really struggle. If we try to get to know God through, just through intellectual understanding, our faith is going to be very cold-hearted. But if we try to get to know God only through revelation, our, our faith is going to be very unstable and inaccurate. Okay? So, like, it's like if, um, if I tried to know God just through revelation, that would be like me going out into the field and be like, I want to experience you, God. Or like, I'm going to take, I'm going to take a month, I'm going to take a month in the desert, and my month in the desert, I'm going to ask God to reveal himself to me, and I'm going to know God. You know what's going to happen if you do that? God will end up looking just like you. That's what's going to happen. Because it's all coming out of your own thoughts and your own experiences and your own desires. That's ultimately what's going to happen. We need both. We need truth and we need revelation from God. And so let's um, talk about how to know God. The first thing is to know God, I must actively learn. To know God, I must actively learn. And I want to point something out about nuance to what Paul says. He said, I pray that God will give you a spirit of wisdom. This knowledge of God, knowing God, is a gift that God gives to us. He's not obligated to it. It's a gift. It's a privilege. It's an honor to know God. And we need to actively learn about him. And he's given us tangible ways to do that, to learn about him, to study him, to ask questions. Uh, from impartial sources. I remember um, talking about getting to know people. I remember when Jess and I, my wife, first met. We've been married for, um, in May, it will be our 15-year anniversary, which I'm pretty excited about. That feels like a milestone, you know? Made it 15. Let's, yeah, thank you. That's good. Uh, We're going to shoot for 16, too. All right, so <laughs> we just take it, taking it, taking it as we go. But um, anyway, no, I'm just kidding. We're, we're shooting for 100. But uh, 15 years, and it's, it's that wild thing where it feels like, it feels, I could still remember her walking down the aisle, so it feels like yesterday that we got married. It also feels like a million years ago when we got married at the same time. And I remember when Jess and I first met, and we didn't know each other at all. But I wanted to know her. And so the first thing we started doing was just asking you know, so surface level questions. What's your name? You know, let's start with that. Uh, in fact, the first night, I'll, tell you, I'll let you in. I'm, this is, none of this is really a secret, although 
uh, I wouldn't recommend it as the way to go, but Jess and I met in a bar, okay, and uh, brought, her over, brought her over to the table that I was at and um, with a couple of other guys sitting there, and we played 20 questions. So we really, you know, for a first date, if you want to call it that, uh, really dug into some really deep stuff, like um, how tall are you? you know, things like that. So, um, but when you first meet somebody, you, you start asking questions like that. Where are you from? Where's home for you? And we were in college. So what's your major and where's your dorm? And, and uh, you know, what professors do you have? And, and tell me about your family, your mom. She had a mom and two sisters. And how old are they? And all those kinds of, where'd you go to high school? And blah, blah, blah. did you play any sports? You know, things like that. You ask surface level stuff like that. And you can, you can take, you have to know those things in order to know somebody, right? So, but they're tangible. You can study them, and we can do the same thing with God. So, how do we do that with God? Uh, we start with this. We start right here. If you want to know God, we have hundreds of pages of God right here, of Him acting, of Him loving, of Him being merciful, of Him caring for us, of Him being involved in our lives. And so this is tangible, and this is true, and this is real. And so this, just a knowledge, a, a, a cursory knowledge of God's Word will help fight off some of those things that people say about God or think about God, like, God doesn't want to be involved in our life. I'm like, that's not true. <laughs> I know He does. I read, I, I read about it. I've seen it. I, I've experienced it personally. So I know that God wants to be involved in our life. And as we read in here, we get to know God. But even as we're reading God's Word and we're learning about Him, we have to be asking questions and, and finding people to help us along the way. Because particularly when we start out, some of this can be confusing. And we can be misled by our misreadings and misinterpretations. And so we need to find good teachers and good influencers and mature Christians to come around us and help us to read this so that we can know what God is actually like. And this is, a, this is a lifelong process, by the way. I've been a Christian for 32 years, and I would say that I know God, but that I also don't know Him, because <laughs> I'm, I'm learning about Him more and more and more through a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation. And um, I'll give you an example. Um, one of the things, my wife has been a Christian for a very, very long time. She's very mature and very, understands the Bible really well, but um, she's reading through the Scripture um, all the way through the Bible in a year. She's doing a year Bible in a year deal. And she's reading it um, chronologically, which makes it, I don't know if you know this, but the Bible is not organized chronologically um, completely. So, um, but there are chronological reading plans out there, so she's reading through it in order and time. and Which means at the beginning of the year, you spend a whole lot of time in, in the beginning of the Old Testament, where some wild stuff happens. <laughs> some, some very difficult stuff happens. And so she was sitting on the couch, and she was um, reading the other day, and I was reading something. And uh, she just looked at me, she said, I don't understand this. Like she said, sometimes I feel like I don't know God, the God of the Old Testament because he looks so different to me than, uh, than other places. And um, I was like, well, tell me what you're reading. She was talking about something that had happened and how God could have allowed that to happen and why they thought that was right. And morals seemed so different back then and the way God interacted with people. And so, but we were able to just talk our way through it. And she got to the point where by the time our conversation was done, where she's like, okay, yeah. That, that does feel consistent now that I've learned to look at certain things this way. So it's a, it's a journey and a process we go on of learning how to know God. And so we need people around us that are helping us. And that's part of the mission of our church is that we individually would know God, but that we were going to help each other to know Him as well. And we do that through uh, actively learning. 
And then the second thing is that to know God, I must patiently listen. To know God, I must patiently listen. He said, I pray that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. That God would reveal himself to us. That, that God would lay himself bare. That God would instruct us and make himself known to see what we can't see. Um, all throughout the scripture, we see things that we call, we call them mysteries. They're things that um, God has always known and has always planned, yet he's not yet at times revealed that plan to us like uh, his plan for Christ, for the Messiah. We, everyone knew the, the Messiah was coming, but how exactly he was going to come and when it was going to happen, that was a mystery that God waited to reveal to people. Um, the fact that God was going to open up his family to Gentiles as well as Jews, that's called a mystery in Scripture. It wasn't revealed until the time was right to reveal it. God himself is called a mystery in Scripture. How Jesus comes and lives inside of us is called a mystery in Scripture. He doesn't reveal that to us until the time is right. And the fact is, with God, we operate on a need-to-know basis, and he decides when we need to know. And that explains why we need the spirit of revelation, because what God will do is he will reveal himself to us in special ways at special times so that we can know him more. But sometimes we're not ready for it until a particular time. And so he reveals it to us at the right time. I'll give you an example. That could be a big thing. It could be a small thing. Have you ever been reading a, a scripture, a passage in the Bible that you've read 10 times before, and all of a sudden you read it this time, and all things being equal, it was different? You know what I mean? Like you've read this 10 times before and nothing drastic has changed in your life, but for some, times you, for some reason you read it this time and that scripture meant something to you, showed you something about God that you had never seen in it before. That's, that's the spirit of revelation happening in your life. That is God revealing himself to you in a new way at a new time because he has something new for you to do with it. And so we need to patiently listen for his voice. If, if I'm a very, um, I'm a very, not a smart person, but an intellectual person, those are different. Um, I like to reason things out. I like to understand why I believe certain things. I like the science of it. I like the logic of it. Um, I just love that. But I have to temper that in a way with the spirit of revelation from God. Because my natural tendency is just to focus on a spirit of wisdom to figure this thing out, to rationalize this thing, to understand this thing. And if I can understand this thing, then I'm good with it. But what God has done for me is he has, he has tempered my spirit of the wisdom with a spirit of revelation an openness to new things from him that he teaches me about, about him and about me and about what he wants for my life. What this means is it means going to him in prayer and sometimes just saying, God, show me something. Or opening up his word and saying, God, show me something. And it's crazy how he will show you things that you couldn't have come up with on your own. And that's how you know they're him. God tells me all the time to do things that I don't want to do. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I know that's not me. I know that's him. It has to be him because I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't tell myself to do that. Imagine, imagine my surprise when Jess and I... Jess and I know that we're in a transition in our life, and we decide that we're going to drive up to the mountains to hear from God on, on what he 
not like sitting on top of a mountain, you know what I mean, like driving to a house in the mountains. And so we're driving up there to spend some time praying and asking God to speak to us. And we get in the car to drive up to Asheville. We're on Highway 40. We've only gotten to Statesville. We're on Highway 40, just made the changeover in Statesville. And God says to Jess and I at the same time in our spirit, he says, I want you to start a church. And we looked at each other and said, well, we already know what we're supposed to do, don't we? And she's like, I was like, yep. And she was like, yep. Okay. (laughs) That's not, in our head, we were going to this other place and that's when God was going to speak to us and that's where he was going to show us. And he told us right before, God does that with us. We have to be listening. So we need to study and actively study and learn, but we also need to patiently listen for God to reveal himself to us. It's saying to God, help me to see what I don't already see. Now, for some of you, I, maybe, you're, maybe you're, you're with us today and you're not so sure about God. Or you're curious and you've been studying and you've been, um, you've been rationalizing, you've been reasoning, and you've been trying to figure out if you could find God that way. That's good. I, I'm so glad that you're hungry. I'm so glad that you're thirsty. I'm so glad that you're searching and that you want to know more about him. But I want you to know that intellectual study will not get you there. It could get you like 99% of the way there. Maybe. But when you actually accept God, and when you actually accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and have faith that He he died on the cross for you and that He rose again to pay for your sin, that is a moment when God has to, wants to, and will reveal himself to you. You have to cross at least that last 1%, if not more, with faith. And when God reveals himself to you and makes himself clear to you and says, I am here and I love you and I want to save you and I want to live with you and I want you to live with me forever. And when he's, to use the biblical terminology, knocking on the door of your heart, you have to open the door in faith. God wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to show himself to you, but you have to have the faith to say yes and to accept it. And then we go on this journey of getting to know him more and more and more through revelation and through study and research. And so maybe if that's you, I just want to encourage you today. I want you to know that you can know God, that he wants to reveal himself to you. But you got to say yes. And you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have all the, the, the intellectual mental things lined up. You don't have to have all the dots connected. You don't have to have all the T's crossed. You don't have to have all of that stuff. I struggle with that personally. And every time God brings me back to a point where he says, I need you to have faith too. I need you to have faith too. And he reveals himself to me again. And maybe that's you. Maybe today you just you would say, God, I believe. God's revealing himself to you today, and you say, God, I believe in you today, and I want to go on this journey of knowing you more. And you can do that. You can come to faith in him today by believing in Jesus Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection, and you become his child, and then he puts his spirit in you. You notice what God gave him. He said he gave him a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. That it's God's Holy Spirit within us that leads us into the knowledge of Him. And so maybe you would take that first step today. Because I just, I don't know God perfectly. 
But I know him well enough to know that I want you all, every single person who's in the room, to know the same God that I know. The God who loves us. The God who, who, is, who is infinitely creative. I love that about God. He's infinitely creative. The God who is, who is just and who is merciful at the same time. The God who is, who is my protector. The God who is my provider. The God who is all-knowing. And for someone like me, I need that because as smart as I might think I am at times, my wife will tell you I think I'm pretty smart. When I, as smart as I might think I am at times, I know that I am, I am crazy limited in my ability to understand things and to know that God knows all things and that I can trust him is amazing to me. I want you to know the same God that I know, God who is gracious to us and gives us what we don't deserve a God who cares for us, a God who is holy and perfect and worthy of our praise, a God who wants to be involved in my life and in your life and has, does have a plan for us and he wants us to be of highest use in this life. I want you to know the same God that I know, a God who gives us hope of a future eternity spent with him, the God who gives us joy of knowing that we have a purpose in our life. This is the God that I've gotten to know and that I want to know more and I want you to know him too. Whether that's accepting him for the first time or taking your millionth step towards him by wisdom and by revelation. And that's my prayer for you. It's my prayer for me. It's my prayer for our church. And I know that it's God's prayer for us, that we would know him more. So let's pray together. God, I come to you and thank you. Uh, thank you that you, you are real that you did create all that we see and all that we don't see, that you hold uh, the keys of the universe in your hands, that you are in complete control, created us, each person here you created unique, and that you love us. And that even though we have, we have all in our own way turned our back on you, have rebelled against you through sin, that you loved us enough that while we were yet sinners, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to be a sacrifice for our sin, to be a replacement for our sin. And Christ, as you died on the cross, you took the penalty for my sin. You took the penalty for each person who's in this room. Thank you that in power you rose again on the third day and ascended to heaven where you sit now, Christ. And that by faith in you, we can be saved. That by faith in you, we can be forgiven. I pray that if there's anyone here who needs to make the decision today for the first time to put their faith in you fully, Jesus, and to accept you as their Savior, that they do that now. They put their faith in you, say, I believe. God, I pray that for all of us that have made that decision, whether it was right now or whether it was years ago, you'd help us to know you. You'd give us a hunger to know you. That you would help us to know you so well that we can identify every single imposter 
Every lie, every mistruth, every diversion, every distraction. If someone, someone tries to paint a picture for us of you that is not who you are, that we would know it immediately. We'd know you that well. I pray, God, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom, a passion to learn and to study and to research and to ask questions and to dive deeper. And I pray that you give us a spirit of revelation, that you would reveal to us who you are, that you would give us exactly what we need when we need it in order to know you. And that as we embrace the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation, that we would see you as you are. And that that would transform us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.